Turn with me in the scriptures, please, this evening to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, and 1 Peter, chapter 1. In uh, Nehemiah 8, verse 9, Nehemiah 8, verse 9, we see a, this passage is describing when the people of God under the leadership of Nehemiah, got back to God. The people had been away from God. You might say backslid. And been away, they hadn't heard the word and they hadn't been practicing uh, his decrees. But uh, they had a day where they came out, the whole congregation, everybody, men, women, children, everybody are standing out there. And this is an all day thing. And um, they read, just read the Bible, the Bible they had, for half a day. You think our services go long. <laughs> and then the ministers talked about it for hours and hours. And Nehemiah, which is the Tushatha and Ezra the priest, the scribe, the Levites, taught the people. And they said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God, mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. When they heard the word, what they were supposed to have been doing, and realized how far off they were, and that they hadn't been doing it, there was uh, mourning and crying throughout the congregation. But Nehemiah and the priests and Levites said, uh, no, stop crying. Stop crying. Verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. <laughs> even if you've missed it, even if you see how you've, you've come short, it's not the Lord's will that you just grieve and mourn day after day and week after week. If you see you've missed it and your heart smites you, that's not God condemning you. That's your own heart. Well, then you repent, but he wants you to receive your forgiveness and get up and forget about the past and be glad and rejoice. And one of the greatest indicators that you're in faith is when you get in joy. If you're still sad, you're still not believing. You know, people say, well, I, I've missed it so many places. Well, who hasn't? Well, I asked the Lord to forgive me. Well, why are you still sad then? I just don't feel like he did. Well, then you hold your feelings more supreme than his word. Because he said that if you'd confess, repent, he'd forgive and cleanse. Is that right? Well, do we believe him or not? Do we believe that Jesus has paid for all of our sins, all of our mistakes? He gave us his righteousness because ours wouldn't cut it. But if you really believe he's heard you, if you really believe he's forgiven you, if you really believe he's cleansed you, you can't stay depressed. No, you can't. 
You're happy. You're glad because you're clean. You're glad because you're free. If you're still sad, it's because you don't believe it. You don't believe his word. You don't believe what he said. And all of us have been there. But let's don't stay there. <laughs> Neither be ye sorry as far as mourning and sad and depressed. Don't be sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now a lot of people know this phrase, but we need to be stirred up in the awareness of the force of joy. The joy of the Lord we're talking about now has the ability to quicken you and strengthen you on the inside. And oh, do you need it? Oh, do we need it? This world can be a great big drain. And there's all kind of things going on in the world that if you listen to it, if you look at it, if you think about it, if you talk about it, if you yield to the feelings, it'll make you sad. It'll make you sorry. It'll make you depressed. It'll make you feel defeated. But that's only if you yield to it. And you and I are the light of the world. When our co-workers, when our neighbors, when our relatives see us, they're not supposed to see depressed. They're not. They're not supposed to be, see unhappy. It's a bad witness. It's a misrepresentation. If you say, I'm a Christian, what you're saying is, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Well, a Christian is an anointed one. And the Bible said God anointed Jesus with the oil of joy and gladness above all his fellows. Hallelujah. Jesus, as he walked the earth, was not a depressed man. Somebody says, well, it wasn't he the man of sorrows. For a little while. As he took all of our sins and bore the judgment for them. But he didn't live this way all his life. And he's not that way now. He's not on the cross. He's not in the tomb. He's risen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. That should give us joy. Somebody say joy, joy, joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Makes me strong. Quickens me. <laughs> Go to First Peter, please. First Peter, the first chapter. He said, don't be sorry. Don't be sad. Don't mourn. Don't cry. Don't be depressed. Don't be defeated. Why? For the joy of the Lord, your strength. Which he said, you stay with that, you're going to get weaker and weaker. Nobody ever got stronger being depressed. You only get weaker. 
And though many would try to tell you they can't help it, it's simply not true. We're, as children of God, we have been made overcomers. And the greater one's in us, not out here. And we don't have to yield to thoughts and feelings we discern are not right. I said, you don't have to. Oh, they're real. And the feelings are real and the thoughts are real and they can be very strong. They can be very persistent, which is why you have to be persistent in resisting them. Said, no, I, don't, I know it's real, but it's not right. I know the feeling is real, but I don't have a right to feel that way. This is the truth. And when you think about the truth, it's going to lift you up out of that uh, quagmire of uh, depression and heaviness. And the truth will make you free. Glory to God. In 1 Peter 1 and 5, it says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith, Unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Somebody say greatly rejoice. Though now for a season if need be you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now that sounds like a contradiction. Which one are they doing? Are they in heaviness through manifold temptations? Or are they rejoicing greatly? They're choosing to rejoice greatly in the midst of these feelings of heaviness and in these situations. Can you do that? Is it possible to do that? The Bible said, count it all joy when you fall into divers, temptations, trials, and tests. Count it all joy. Can you? Can you? Yeah, you can. You can act how you feel and be depressed and sad and get weaker by the hour. Or you can resist those things and rejoice anyway <laughs> and begin to tap in to what's inside you and who's inside you and as you yield to that joy it will strengthen you it will quicken you he's living he's alive hallelujah the flesh profits nothing Jesus said but the words I speak unto you, they are spirit. Hallelujah. They're life. Do we need joy? All we need is why the Lord told us to rejoice all the time. Didn't he say it? Keep reading. He said, verse 7, 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, did he change subjects? What's he talking about in this verse? Faith. And your faith being tried. What was the previous verse talking about? Rejoicing greatly. What does rejoicing and faith have to do with one another? They're directly connected. If your faith's being tried, if you couple it with the verse that goes before it and the verses that come after it, if your faith's being tried, then you're being tempted to despair. And evidence that you're refusing to yield to that would be that you retain your joy when other people quit. When other people cry and give up, 
you're still shouting. You're still praising God. And it is a choice. I said it's a choice. Believing is a choice. I've had people tell me, I'm sorry, I just can't believe that. That's an untruth. No such thing as a person that can't believe something. To say it correctly, you should say, I choose not to believe it. By very nature of what faith is, you don't have to understand something to believe it. You just choose to believe it. (laughs) A lot of things could be said along that line. He said, verse 8, whom having not seen, you love. And uh, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice. Say it out loud. Believing, Believing. you rejoice. rejoice. Say it two more times. Believing, Believing. you rejoice. Believing, what if you're not rejoicing? You're not believing. believing. Now, there are terrible problems, not just in the world, but in the church of people they would say, battling depression. There are thousands upon hundreds of thousands that are taking drugs to help fight their depression. This is not just a few people. These are millions of people worldwide, church-wide, that are struggling, they would say. And the truth is, The only way you or I would be depressed is if we yield to it. Now the devil, and you won't see somebody in a red suit and a pitchfork, thoughts will just come to you to convince you that you are powerless to do anything with this. And if what had happened in your life had happened in somebody else's life, they would be as depressed or worse than you. Well, that's just not true. The truth is, worse things have happened to people, and they are rejoicing today, in spite of it. No, it's a choice. I said it's a choice. And if you're not rejoicing, you're not looking at the right thing. Your problems don't have to cease. Everything does not have to be worked out before you can be okay. If you believe that, you'll never be okay in this life because as soon as one thing is fixed, there's going to be something else that's not there yet or not right or not good. Though this earth is full of lack and hurt and pain and problems and you don't have to look far to find something to be upset about. But what you do have to do, make an effort, is in faith that when stuff is staring you in the face, by faith you push it back and look at what you can shout about. Now that, that is not what most people do. That is not walking as a mere man. That's walking like the master. 
Oh, hallelujah. And that faith pleases the Father. It pleases Him. And it gives Him the right to intervene in your life. Many times folks think, well, you know, my problem is money. As soon as I get the money, I'll be okay. That's just not true. I have physical problems. As soon as I, I can get in good shape, then I'll be okay. No, it'll be something else. And if you walk by faith, not by sight, then you don't wait till the money's here to rejoice. Faith shouts while the walls are still up. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith will call your body healed and rejoice over being healed when you can't hardly keep your eyes open and stand up straight. Faith will rejoice over all its bills being paid and being out of debt when there's a mountain of bills on the table and no clue as to how they could ever be paid. Faith will give thanks and praise God, praise God, praise God for a good family and hold children and grandchildren when it looks like this family is tearing itself apart. Anybody can cry. Anybody can be upset. Anybody can wallow around in self-pity and depression. Sinners do it. Unbelievers do it. The whole world does it. All you got to do to do that is just wake up in the morning and act how you feel. And not act like a believer. Act like a mere man. A mere unsaved man or woman. But you're not a mere unsaved man or woman. Somebody say, I'm a believer. I'm a con- more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Now, if you believe that, it'll be evidenced by joy. Joy in the midst of any circumstance, and that joy quickens you. That joy keeps you going. That joy makes you strong. And that's how you get from here to where you need to be. Hallelujah. Yielding to sadness, yielding to depression and crying your eyes out is a way to go down to the point where you don't come back. It will get worse and worse and worse until you don't have enough strength to even consider the possibility of any miracle or anything different. That's why the enemy works so hard, continually bringing thoughts, bringing feelings, rehashing old problems, whatever the case might be, because he wants to overwhelm you to the point where you think you got no reason to rejoice. You got nothing to be happy about. You got nothing to be thankful about. Do you even have anything to live for? That's how people become suicidal. By yielding to it. They don't realize they're yielding to it, but they are. They're giving in to it. They're sitting there thinking the same stuff hour after hour, day after day. When you could stand up and cast down those imaginations and thoughts and say, no, 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 no. 
God has done too much for me for me to sit around here and act like this. No, no. So something bad happened. You think you're the first person something bad happened to? The Bible said the same afflictions are being accomplished in your brethren throughout the world. The earth is full of pain. And you grieving about it and crying about it is not going to help anybody, including yourself. When you get through crying and feeling bad and being depressed, it's still going to be the way it is. It's not going to change one thing. Oh, but there is a way to change some things. I said there's a way to change some things, and it's by getting the Lord involved. And he wants to be involved, but you got to give him something to work with. You got to give him some faith. You got to wipe away your tears. You got to push away your fears. You got to look up with some joy and some, some hope and go, Lord, I don't know how to fix this, but you do. You do. And I got my eyes on you. And you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. And I'm seeking you. And I'm serious about this. And I am expecting and believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And if you believe that, there's a spark. There's hope. And that makes you glad. And the moment uh, even a tiny bit of gladness comes up in you with it comes some strength. Now it doesn't look quite as dark. <laughs> doesn't look quite as impossible. And the more joy you have, the more doable it looks. You're getting stronger and stronger on the inside. Which is why the Lord directed us repeatedly to rejoice all the time. Did he or not? Let me, uh, let me remind you of just, uh, just a couple of these. He told us to rejoice. Philippians 4.4. 4. Now, if you're interested and want to do some, feed yourself some more along this line, read Philippians. Four short chapters, but it's full of rejoicing. Rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. And this one verse kind of describes the theme of the whole book. Rejoice in the Lord. When you feel like it. Always. And in case you didn't understand it. Again. I say. Rejoice. The BBE says. Be glad in the Lord at all times. Again I say. Be glad. The vast majority of Christians. Have ignored this verse. And the others like them. This is not a little pep talk. This is instructions. What, did the Lord tell us this? Let me give you some more. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. BBE is a good one. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Have joy at all times. When? When's all, all the time? When? When is all the time? When is it not all the time? <laughs> when are we supposed to rejoice? Now you can almost hear people saying, well, nobody rejoices all the time. How do you know? You don't know everybody. 
What fraction of the billions of people on the planet have you ever met? <laughs> the 45 people you know. Don't rejoice all the time. That's not everybody, not even close. But besides that, what difference does that make if the head of the church told you? Huh? If the Lord your God told you, if your Father told you, then this is what I want you to do. I want you to rejoice all the time. What if the Lord told you that? I'm not saying He did. Don't look right now. But what if the Lord told you, looked you right in the face, called you by name, said, Kim, rejoice all the time. I'm talking about Jesus, the head of the church. What if he told you that? What would you say? What would you say? Now, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> but you know good and well. A person can't rejoice all the time. He must not have known that. The Holy Spirit must not know that. Because he tells us not once, not twice, not three times, but over and over and over, rejoice in the Lord always. Have joy at all times. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Yes. We're talking about a way of life. Certainly there are going to be times you're asleep that you're not talking. Don't get technical about this. This is a way of life. You never go a day where you're not praising God all through the day. You never go a night The scripture said, Jesus said, unless you become converted and become like a little child, you won't enter into the things of the kingdom of God. Well, you know something about little children? Before they've been affected by this world, you play music, they will dance. <laughs> Am I right or not? They, they don't care. It's not even cross their mind what it looks like. Is that right? Didn't even cross their mind. If they see something they think is funny, they will laugh. They will laugh loud. They don't care. They're not even mindful of who might hear it or if it's appropriate or if it's not appropriate or if somebody thinks they're silly or they didn't even cross their mind. If they're excited, they will shout. They will shout. They will get loud. They will squeal. Huh? They will exclaim. Won't they if they're excited? You have to learn to suppress it. It's a bad thing. Now I understand as an adult there's times and places for things, but the truth is, you've got millions of Christians. When's the last time they ever shouted? When's the last time they ever danced for joy? This is also why people are so weak spiritually. We got too many depressed Christians. We got too many 
depressed preachers. We do. And the problem is, everything produces after its own kind. If the ministers are depressed and defeated and have no joy, it's going to affect the congregation. Even if you try to put on a happy face, such as you have, that's what you give. It's going to come across. A lot of Christians are like, who was it? Eeyore. Or Winnie the Pooh. They sound like Eeyore. Okay. I guess we could. I just don't know. They can't hide it. They're so full of depression. And they're so joyless. They can't hide it. Half the time, sighing. (sighs) Oh, God. Oh, God, what? You're not talking to him. You're not talking about him. You're using the Lord's name in vain. We are supposed to be the bright, shining, glistening, joyous light of life in our world. We are supposed to be the life of the party. And I don't mean acting a fool, and I'm not talking about, you know, laughing like a hyena at some off-color joke. That's not the joy of the Lord. I'm talking about a real spirit of victory inside you that lights up your eyes, that puts a note of victory in your voice. Hallelujah. You don't have to have all the answers. You know who does. And you know how to get it. Hallelujah. You know everything's not perfect. But you also know this whole thing is just for a little while. Just this long. And then we're out of here. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you're believing, you are rejoicing. I said, if you're believing, you're rejoicing. First Peter had said, whom though you hadn't seen him, you love, and though you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Hallelujah. Go with me over to the book of Hebrews, please. In uh, Hebrews, the uh, third chapter, Hebrews 3, this we're getting into now some things that are specific in direction that the Lord has already given us as a church. And I believe it will reinforce and then enlighten us further as to some things He's been talking to us about up to this point in times past. In Hebrews 3 and 6, It says, but Christ is a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Are we his house? We are the house of God. The house of God is not a building that made with men's hands, 
You and I are living stones in the house that God is building. And when you see lost people, you ought to think building materials. Because when the last living stone is sealed into place by the Holy Spirit, he's going to come back and occupy this house forever. And uh, it says we're his own house if we're his house if we do what? Hold fast the confidence and the what? Rejoicing of the hope or expectation unto the end. The thing that makes us so joyful is not only enjoying the blessings of God in the present moment, but the best is yet to come. By far. The best is not even in this life. And if you believe it and that's real to you, you just can't stay depressed. What would you be depressed about? Somebody say, we're his house. His house is a rejoicing house. You're his house if you hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. If you rejoice and keep on rejoicing and keep on rejoicing and keep on rejoicing, the house of the Lord is a rejoicing house. And we are his house. Say it out loud, the house of the Lord is a rejoicing house. And we are his house. Well, that would make us rejoicers. If you're part of the rejoicing house, you are one of the rejoicers in the rejoicing house. Skip on down to the 10th chapter. Hebrews 10 and 22. 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he's faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All this goes together. He's talking about us coming together. Assembling together. And even back then, there was folks that wouldn't come into church. They wouldn't assembling. They thought, well, I'm fine. I love the Lord. I fellowship with Him at home. I can be as good a Christian as you or anybody else, you know. People say, well, my, uh, my chapel is out in the woods. My chapel is in the mountains. My chapel is on the lake. I like be, I feel closer to God in nature. Well, these phrases are either ignorance or usually rebellion. Stubbornness. You can't be a good Christian and ignore the Bible. And who said you couldn't commune with God in the woods all you want to? Why does it have to be on Sunday morning? See, that's convenient for the flesh. But we need to get together. According to the Bible. Why? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to exhort, encourage. The Amplified says, 
stir one another up. Listen to the, uh, the, the CEV. Complete English says, verse 25, Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. Did the Bible say we must not do that? Did the Bible say we must not do that? <laughs> Did the Bible say we must not do that? <laughs> you know, there's some people, I, I think if Jesus himself looked them in the face and said, now, yeah, I want you to go to church. They'd say, now, Jesus, you know how close I am to you here in, in my bedroom. <laughs> Just stubborn. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. We must not do that. We should keep on encouraging one another. There is a benefit of coming together in the rejoicing house of the Lord. There is a strengthening in the environment of faith. We're supposed to be a family of faith. And if you're believing... You're rejoicing. And if you got joy, you got strength. And you need to come and sit by folks and people in front of you and behind you. Maybe today their joy is a little stronger than yours is. Come on, are you with me? That's going to help you. You'll hear it in the tone of their voice. You'll see it in their eye. And if you yield to that, it'll quicken you. It'll strengthen you. Some things you don't get remotely you need to be in the presence of it now you can get revelation of the word by the internet thank God you can be fed and built up that's wonderful and the anointing of the Lord can minister to you but a thousand miles away from the person sitting in this seat you're not going to sense the faith and joy that's in them and you put a thousand of us together. <laughs> it is a chain reaction. Just like many can be defiled through one person's bitterness. And just like depression is catching. You come in around somebody that's just completely weak and depressed and defeated and giving up. If you hang around that. There are spirits that go with that. And if you listen to that, you will become weaker yourself. You'll, you'll start that direction. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. But the same thing is true. You know, opposite is true. If you're around people of faith that have joy, that have gladness, that have peace, you can come in just shaken and rattled and scared but if 500 faith people are surrounding you. This is one of the big reasons the Lord told us to not stay separate. There's times we should come together. Did he say it or not? We should come together. The Amplified says, let us consider and give attentive, continuous care, watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, incite. To love helpful deeds and noble activities. It stirs you up. You hear what God did in their life. And you're supposed to go. Well God's no respecter of persons. He could do that for me too. Is that right? You see they're not defeated. Well I don't have to be defeated. 
Is that right? They got joy. I can have joy. They got peace. They had some stuff they had to deal with, but they didn't let it crush them. They overcame. They're glad. This is the vision that the Lord was talking to us about when we started the Faith for Life classes. That's the vision. Listen to the scripture he gave us about this. It's Philemon. Just one chapter. I'm reading the Amplified in verse uh, 4. He said, uh, I give thanks to God. This is the Amplified. Always when I mention you in my prayers, because I continue to hear of your love and your loyal faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and you show toward all the saints. Not just toward God, but toward your fellow believers. And I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in Christ. For I have derived great joy. (laughs) Can you see this? And comfort and encouragement from your love. Because the hearts of the saints have been cheered and refreshed through you, my brother. Hallelujah. Every one of us have a call on our lives. It is to be an encourager of the brethren. It is to be an edifier of the brethren. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist. You have good things in you. In Christ Jesus. And God has done good things for you. In your life. And you are a personal witness of what he has done for you. You were there. Nobody can tell it like you can tell it. What he did for you. Right? And at the right place and at the right time. You are anointed. To share that. I'm not talking about being preachy. I'm just talking about being excited. About what God has done for you. And the Lord uses that. To encourage your fellow Christians. He uses that. To edify. That word edify means build up. Make stronger. Can you say amen? Do you believe it? Now what you don't want to do. You don't want to be is a downer. (laughs) You don't want to be a downer. Ephesians 4.29 talks about this, but you can go to Matthew, Matthew 18. I'm going to read to you from Ephesians. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How much? No. But That which is good to the use of what? Edifying, Edifying, which means building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. This This is real spiritual supply. Grace. There's a lot of things that may be a fact, but they're not edifying. They may have happened, but it's not edifying. 
Oh, how we need to learn to not talk things, no matter how glaring they are and pressing they are, and especially how bad they are. We need to grow up and become spiritual enough. Just because something's on your mind, just because something's on their mind, just because something is an obvious need or a problem, that does not mean we need to talk about that right now. We need to be led by the Spirit. And we need to let Him show us what to look at. And what to think about. And what to talk about. And it's not hard to tell what's the thing He's showing you to look at and talk about because it's going to edify you. It's going to quicken you. It's going to minister joy to you and peace to you. Psalm 16, just hold your place. Psalm 16 and 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices and my flesh shall rest in hope. Now we need to connect this. Why? Therefore, what's therefore, therefore? It connects what he's about to say with what he just said. Why is his heart glad and he's rejoicing and he's full of hope and expectation? Why? Because I've set the Lord before me or in front of me all the time. I'm looking at him, looking unto Jesus. Hallelujah. That's different from looking at a failure, looking at a need, looking at a symptom, looking at a bill, looking at a debt, looking at somebody's sin and mistakes. We're not denying that it's there. We're not saying it didn't happen. But what good is it going to do to look at it and dwell on it and talk about it? When somebody's going through something, I don't care if everybody in the room's talking about it. I don't care if the whole community's talking about it. Don't be carnal. Your flesh, their flesh will pull on you to talk about it. Your flesh will pull on you to talk about it. Sometimes you've got to bite your lip to keep from talking about it. It's the elephant in the room. <laughs> but we should be concerned about is getting the elephant out. You can discuss for four hours the color of the elephant, the size of the elephant, the weight of the elephant, color of the elephant's eyes, size of the elephant's tusks, and be more aware of the elephant than ever before. And be more depressed and defeated than ever before. More weighed down. What's it going to help? Oh, friend, we need to keep asking this all the time. What's going to help this? Talking about this is not going to help that. Looking at this is not going to help that. Holy Spirit, show us what to look at. Holy Spirit, show us what to talk about. Show us what to look at. He wants you to acknowledge every good thing that's in us, in Christ Jesus. He wants you to set the Lord before you 
And if you do so, he said, therefore, my heart's glad. My glory is rejoicing. Verse 11, you'll show me the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We have to choose to look at the right thing. Talk about the right things. Most people don't do funerals right. They don't. And they go through all kind of pain that they don't have to go through. And they go through months and years where they're incapacitated. And they don't have to be. It doesn't prove that you love them more than anybody else ever loved their people. Doesn't prove that. And why would you be doing it? Who are you doing it for? Jesus' disciples were upset when he told them he was leaving and going to the Father. They were upset. He had to talk to them. And one of the things he said to them, he said, if you loved me, you'd rejoice. I told you I'm going to the Father. Be happy for me. Especially if you know that your loved one that's gone on is a believer. Who are you hurting for? Who are you sad about? What are you doing? I know when some of my family has gone home to be with the Lord. A while back, a very close family member, it's been a few years now, but went home to be with the Lord. And I was with my family to the funeral home. You know, it was the visitation and they had just brought out the casket and what have you. And, and uh, the Lord prompted me before we got out of the car in the parking lot. I, t- I reached over, I took their hands, I looked at them, I said, they're not here. They're not here. This shell that's in the box, they're not in there. They left it. And to depart and be with the Lord is far better than what we're doing. Now if you stand there and you look at that house of clay that's got no life in it, well, you'll despair. I'll never see them again. Really? You don't believe the Bible? They're gone forever. They're, I lost them. You didn't lose them. You know right where they are. How many understand this is a perfect example of choosing to look at the wrong thing and yielding to depression? And you can stay that way the rest of your life. Or keeping the Lord before you. Keeping heaven in front of you. Keeping the truth of the word of God in front of you. And if you really believe that, you can't sorrow like those who have no hope. You can't hold on to that pain day after day after day. If you do, you just don't believe the Bible. Sure, there's times you'd like to see them. But you're going to get to see them really soon. Really soon. If you live another 50 years, it's going to come and go just like that. Bible said the, with the Lord a thousand years is like a day. So that means your next 50 years would be just a few minutes. Can you wait 10 minutes to see him? God time. Does it matter what you look at? It makes all the difference what you choose to look at. If you look at the wrong thing, it's going to be pain. You're going to be depressed. And the more depressed you are, the weaker you are. You get to the point where you can get so weak, it's hard to pay attention and understand what people are saying to you. You can get so weak that your understanding is darkened 
and your mind is blinded. Now you don't get that way overnight. But by yielding to it and just crying and crying and hurting and feeling sorry for yourself. And, and the enemy will tell you, well, I, yeah, I don't want to do that. I can't help it. That's a lie. Are you a child of God or not? Yes. It's not true. You can choose to look away from that and look unto him. Oh, hallelujah. And, and, and think about what he told you and focus on that. And the moment you do, joy will begin to come in you. And when that joy and that hope and that expectation comes in you, strength, oh, precious, wonderful strength that all of us need will come into you. And you'll begin to get yourself up and begin to, you know, get up, go to work, get up, do your housework, be a mother, be a wife, be a husband. Be an employee. It's foolish. It's deception to be incapacitated day after day, week after week, month after month. It's acting like you're not saved. It's acting like you don't know the truth. You don't know who you are. Don't know what you are. Somebody say, by the grace of God, I won't live like that. I won't act like that. What's going to make you strong? What's going to help you out? The joy of the Lord is your strength. How do you get that joy? By looking unto Him. Keeping Him before you. Keeping what He said before you. And there's going to be all kind of stuff that's happening around you that don't look nice and don't feel nice. But you just don't focus on that. You keep your eyes on Him. Oh, do you believe it, saints? Where are you in the Scriptures? Matthew 18. Good job. Jesus said Matthew 18.6. He said. Uh, Whoso shall offend one of these little ones. Which believe in me. It were better for him that a millstone. Were hanged about his neck. And that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's quite a statement. What does that mean? This word Offend has the meaning of tripping up. Tripping up. Romans 14 says, Let no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And if you read that 14th chapter of Romans, he talks about whatever's not of faith is sin. He's talking about faith. And uh, a good example of offending Somebody who's believed, get the phrase, offend one of these little ones which believe in me. They're believing in him and you do something that causes them to trip up in their believing in him. He said you'd been better off a giant stone around your neck thrown in the sea and kaploop and you're gone and nobody sees you again. Somebody says, I can't see that. That's because you think dying is more serious than it is. <laughs> For the believer, dying ain't no big thing. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> That's quiet in here. The Bible said in Joshua, talking about the spies that went into the land and brought back the evil report, 
He said, my brethren, Joshua said, that went up with me, Joshua 14, 8, they made the heart of the people melt. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be a downer. And people are doing this, oh my word. Christians, people that are saved, church-going people. But they just talk whatever comes to their mind. And they just talk whatever they've been looking at and whatever they've been thinking about and are not monitoring what effect it's having on the people I'm talking to. That's right. And the thing is, the enemy uses this all the time. Even though you might be completely innocent, somebody comes in, something is bothering them. And you bring it up. Didn't even know it. Now just pause for a minute. Have you ever said something and then you realized, oh man, I shouldn't have brought that up. I'd, you either didn't know or you didn't think that that was something that was bugging them, something they were dealing with. Well, how, why does it happen so often that people just accidentally bring up that very thing? It's the enemy. I said it's the enemy. He brings the thoughts. And you might be innocent in saying it and bringing it up, but he knows the impact it'll have on them. They finally managed after three days to get it off of their mind for ten minutes and they see you and you bring it back up. Now the only way not to do that is to endeavor to practice Ephesians. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth. Only that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may build up and minister grace to the hearers. Not talking just anything, not just talking what people are thinking about, not just talking what has happened. Check in your heart, what can I say that will put strength into them? Lord, what would you give me? What would you give me? And if you just look towards him and ask him, it'll come up in you. It'll come right up in you. He's just looking for people to use. I'm not talking about being a preacher. Any believer, any believer, just look and just ask. And next thing you know, he'll bring a thought to you. He'll bring a phrase to you. He'll bring a story to you. He'll bring an example or a scripture. And you start talking it and you'll see a little light come in their eyes. You'll see a little encouragement. You'll see a little stirring. Hallelujah. And even though they might have been sad, uh, at least half of their mouth smiled uh, just a little bit. And you know, okay, all right. Why? Because a little bit of joy means a little bit of strength. means we're moving in the right direction. Now, is that right? But we've got to talk the right thing. We've got to look at the right thing. Talk the right thing. If it's not making us rejoice, then we need to change channels. I said we need to change channels. Don't be a downer. <laughs> Don't rain on people's parades. If they, uh, if they got more faith and more vision than you, hush and just be glad for them. Is that right? <laughs> Why would you want to tell somebody it's impossible? Why would you want to tell somebody there's no way? You don't want to be a mouthpiece for the enemy. You don't want the enemy to use you to discourage somebody. Pull them down. Hold them down. 
Brother Hagin said, uh, you're talking about that same thing about people going home to be with the Lord. He said they had a lady in his church who her husband went home to be with the Lord. And he was a well-known minister, well-loved and liked by so many. And uh, he went to visit her. And she was crying. I just don't know what I'm going to do without him. And, and uh, man, he did everything, you know. He, he ran this, he ran that. And I just don't know. I, I just don't know if I can make it without him. Is that helping her? Mm-mm. And by the grace of the Lord, the Holy Spirit helped him. Brother Hagin began talking to her about heaven and about what he's doing right now and about how real that is and about how the Lord knew he was going to go before her and how that there's a grace and a strength. She lived several years. It's going to go by so quick. And, and the things that she needs to do, she doesn't need to leave before she gets them done. She needs to believe God. And she began talking about that. And within just uh, 30 minutes or so, She's not crying. She's rejoicing. She's thinking about how happy he is. She's believing that. See, joy makes you strong. Joy makes you strong. And then he said, a car came sliding in the driveway and the door flew open and you could hear people crying and and heaving before they got to the door. And it was some preachers. And they came in crying and grieving and, 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 and just, just saying, oh, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do without brother so-and-so? I just don't know. What are we going to do? I mean, he did this and he did that. The same things that she had been saying the hour before. Come on, can you see this? That's no coincidence. That's the enemy using preachers. And in, in, in another 30 minutes, I mean, uh, he, he said he, he went back to the kitchen. He wanted to get away from it. You know, Jesus did that. Hmm? Didn't he do that? When he came in and they're all grieving and crying, what he did? He put them out. Is that right? Put them all out. Why? Because you can't get a miracle like that. You can't get an answer like that. And he said in a, in a few minutes, she came back in the kitchen with him. <laughs> And she said, Brother Hagin, would you tell me again what you were telling me? And I, could, I had to get away from them. I, could, I, I don't need that right now. Preachers. Preachers. Let's learn better. Let's know better. Depression makes you weak. Cause you to sink further down. Be defeated. No believer has to stay depressed. I don't care what happened to you. No believer ever has to stay down. It's a choice. I said it's a choice. Sometimes it's like trying to, you know, peel your head away from something that it's stuck to. But you've got to get away from looking and talking about that and say, Lord, show me what to look at. Show me what to think about. Set your eyes on him looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher. What did he tell me? What did he tell me? And the moment you do to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace life begins to come up in you strength begins to come up in you joy begins to come up in you and the moment you detect some joy you know you're on the right track you know you're moving the right way now keep going this way and the more joy you get the stronger you get and that's how you overcome can you say amen Everybody stand on your feet, please. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands. Let's begin to praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, for joy, unspeakable, full of glory, that makes us stronger than anything that would overcome us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.